get through the rough times and and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how it is. It's trial and error. And, you know, one day I'd go to practice and try something or try a different mental approach. And like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> like, yeah, you should right. try something else. <laughs> yeah. you know, that sucked. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me try something else. But. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. Today we are rerunning an episode with Ben Lieber, a retired 10-year NFL linebacker who played for the San Diego Chargers. We love this episode so much and the tips and strategies that Ben shares in our conversation that are really applicable to everyone, whether you're an athlete, a parent, a child, an adult, and everyone in between. So we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. The Healthy Place, an online and brick and mortar supplement store based in Wisconsin. We know how overwhelming and confusing shopping for vitamins and supplements can be, and many people start taking supplements without understanding what their body needs. It is so important to ensure that the supplements you're taking are high quality, free of common allergens, GMOs, and third-party tested, so you know that what you are putting in your body is actually what it states on the bottle. We recently sat down and chatted with the founder of The Healthy Place, Tim O'Brien, whose mission as a company is to impact, empower, and educate every customer to learn, grow, and create a lifelong foundation of health and wellness. Both Tim and his wife and co-owner, Becky, strive to inspire their customers to make healthy changes that will impact every area of their life, and we couldn't agree more with their values. One of the things that sets the Healthy Place apart from the other places that you can buy supplements from is their team of wellness consultants who are ready to help you find the highest quality product. They won't just find you a product for what you believe you may need, they ask questions to understand the underlying condition that you're trying to address, and they really guide and educate you on your journey to find wellness. And now they have an online chat feature that duplicates the level of service that you get from their in-person store, allowing you to receive personalized service from the comfort of your home. Some common ailments they love helping customers address include chronic pain, stress, anxiety, sleep issues, and even energy and immunity. We were so impressed with their genuine desire to help educate and motivate their customers to get to the root of their issue and address it in a very holistic way. Another benefit we love about findyourhealthyplace.com is that they carry many different vetted brands so that you are not stuck with one brand or product to try. So head on over to findyourhealthyplace.com and chat with an online wellness consultant. You can use code LIVINGWELL for 30% off the full price of your supplement purchase. Hello, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Art of Living Well podcast. You are going to love today's conversation with Ben Lieber. 
Ben's a retired 10-year NFL linebacker who played for San Diego, Minnesota, and St. Louis. I met Ben and his family several years ago in our local community and have really gotten to know him and his family over the years. I learned so much from our conversation, though, with Ben that I did not know and just super excited to share the inspiration and motivation that he brought to our conversation with all of you today. Our conversation with Ben goes deep into the many lessons that he learned while playing college football at Kansas State University and then in his professional career. He dives into how he learned to take feedback to improve his game which is a life lesson I think all of us can benefit from. Ben opens up about a period early in his career while he was in college where he experienced significant self-doubt about his ability to play football at that level. And he shares the tools that he learned, which helped him to overcome those limiting beliefs. Ben shares his win from within approach to success and how this mindset shift has helped him during his football career, as well as his transition to his current career as a broadcaster. So for a little bit of background, you know, Ben went to Kansas State University and earned all kinds of accolades. He was twice named to the Big 12 All-Conference teams. He was the third team All-American and ended up fifth in tackles for school history, all while earning himself a business degree. And then after his tenure in the NFL, he decided that he wanted to stay close to the game and started working for Fox Sports as a college football color commentator, and has since worked his way up the ladder and is now a full-time analyst working nationally televised games for the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 conferences. He maintains his life in Minneapolis and has a great balance, which he talks about, between his works and travel schedule and his home life, as family is really important to Ben. He also appears on numerous radio shows throughout the week, mostly as a Minnesota Vikings NFL insider. The tips and strategies that Ben shares in our conversations are applicable to everyone, from athletes of all ages to parents, adults, and everyone in between. Marty and I had so much fun getting to know Ben better during our conversation, and we cannot wait to share that with you today. Ben, we are so excited um, that you're with us today uh, on the podcast. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes. So you're from a small town in South Dakota. You played in the NFL for 10 years, and you're currently a college football broadcaster and sideline analyst for the Vikings. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and your journey? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, my story, I think, is um, is not a straight linear line like a lot of people. Um, so I grew up in southern Iowa. A uh, small old coal mining town called Albia. It's like 30 miles west of Ottumwa, Iowa, uh, which is uh, famous for the crackhead Tom Arnold. So they have that. <laughs> they have that claim to fame. That hey, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's. Oh my if, gosh! I don't know if there's like anybody else. The actor. Who, the actor. Okay, yeah. so, he was a client of mine a long time ago for something. That's just really? so funny. That's yeah. a whole other story. But it's yes. so funny because when he oh was when he was getting like to be big time. I think we still live there because I believe Roseanne, all that, all that stuff was going on and we still live there. And it's like, hey, we're the, we're the hometown of Tom Arnold, right? Oh my gosh. And then, you know, <laughs> you know, it was flashed to like, what, 10 years down the road and he's just like a hot mess. And yeah, it's like, right. I don't know if you guys still claim him or not. Or, or what's may going on. rethink that. Yeah, I may want to rethink that. Maybe there's something else more famous that came from Otumwa. Um <laughs> But that's sort of the area that we, that I grew up in basically from age, you know, 
two to, to end of fifth grade. Uh, my dad was my high school principal, so he uh, took a principal job in Vermilion, South Dakota, and then I lived there uh, from sixth grade all the way through high school. Um, played all four sports, what, you know, doing what most small town kids do. Um, you know, it was about 115, 120 my graduating class, so it's pretty, pretty small. And then played football at Kansas State for five years. Was drafted by the San Diego Chargers at the time, San Diego. It's hard to even say LA Chargers now. Back in 2002, played there for four years, played in uh, Minnesota for five years, and then played one year in St. Louis um, to finish out my NFL career. And then from there, just um, tried to figure out life after that. And I thought broadcasting would be a fun avenue. And Lo and behold, you know, the more people you talk to and the more connections you make. And I, there's some, uh, a guy from Fox Sports that was from Minneapolis. And I had a great sit down sort of interview with him for two hours in Los Angeles one day. And he's like, hey, I got some stuff I can have you do. And uh, it started off in high school football and kind of worked my way up doing college football. And then all at the same time doing things with the Vikings here in town. And so I just kind of morphed into this media world where I didn't know for sure if that's what I wanted to do, but that's what I'm doing. And do you love it? I do love it. Yeah, it is fun because I know that I know myself enough that I want to be close to football because um, I, I enjoy the sport. I, I love the, I think I just love the, how everything gets pieced together week after week after week. Um, and and it's there's an intensity to it. I think from the preparation, from from all the things that happen behind the scenes that really intrigue me. Um, outside of just what Sundays are, you know, I think there's there's so much more that happens in the game during the course of the week that I still geek out about and I love. Um, so I wanted to be close to the sport, but I didn't want to put in the hours of a coach or or uh, an administrator because those guys just you know they have a really hard work life balance. So I wanted to stay in it. And broadcasting was an avenue that like, well, I can stay in it. I don't have to put in, you know, 90 hours a week mm -hmm. and I can still be around my family and I can still travel with the team and be close with them. So it was, it was perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you had mentioned to us before we started the interview about how in your college days, you had some moments of self-doubt and you, oh, yeah. you <laughs> yeah. what tools did you use to overcome that? And how can you tell us more about it? So my, my freshman year at K-State, we were getting ready to do our first padded practice. We had gone through a couple of practices where you're just like in helmets and, and, and there's no real contact. And we were getting ready for our first padded practice. And I had been practicing. I, I graduated high school. And then like two weeks later, I was down there. Like I wanted to be a part of the team. And I was doing all the summer workouts. And I was doing all that stuff. But then all of a sudden, there was this, um, this pinnacle point where we had this padded practice and this was like the real first start of training camp. And so this was my first training camp at a division one school. And I, I was, we were, I was in my dorm room and I had my roommate there and he was taking a nap and I was trying to nap, but all these thoughts came into my head about just, just my journey and just what I was getting ready to do. And just, I think I was really overwhelmed by, by what was about to happen. And I started to really doubt myself and uh, so much so where I you know, kind of pulled the covers over my head like I was scared of the the boogie monster. And mm -hmm. I thought about quitting football because I the thought of putting myself out there and being like that vulnerable and like failing. And I'm like, well, maybe I should just go back and maybe maybe there's 
the, the doubters are right. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe, you know, I'm just a small town kid that can't do this and this is too big for me and whatever. Um, and so I really fought off for probably, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of just like kind of panic and, and terror about what was about to happen and who I was and where I, what I wanted to do. And, and thankfully, because we were roommates and there was somebody there, you know, he, he gets up and goes to practice and I'm like, well, I guess I just got to kind of follow through with that. And so I just sort of just went through the motions, I think my whole first year about Mm -hmm. what, you know, do I really belong here? And then I had some, some critical moments that kind of proved to myself, I think physically and mentally that I could do it. Um, and then from there it was this like little win after little win on a daily basis of like, okay, I can, I can improve this and I can do this and I can belong and I, and I do belong and Hey, they're not as big and fast as strong as I thought they were. And I'm just as, so it was a lot of the, a lot of that daily like assessment of like figuring out who I was kind of helped me through it. And now, now I don't shy away from the self-doubt. You know, I know that's just kind of a part of my psychology that I may see something. I'm like, I don't think I can do that. But then the, the, the other part of my brain, I've kind of conditioned myself is like, I kind of dare myself. Like, I bet you can do that. Or, Mm -hmm. or maybe you can't do that. And and I try to, I try to like prove myself wrong inside my own head. (laughs) That's such a great strategy though you know, I mean almost is it your competitiveness yeah yeah internally yeah I, I don't know what it is and and uh you know the funny thing is when I talk about this openly I never knew and and I think we all we all see it with our own kids mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they they will talk about things and you're like hey you know we all think that and you you feel so alone in your thoughts and then when you actually verbalize them you're like oh my gosh well there's a lot of other guys that kind of have the same self-doubt or went through the same similar story and so then that reinforces it even more. So it's like, the more I talk about it, the more I feel better about it. And the more I find out that like, hey, other athletes, you know, go through the same thing and I'm not alone. Um, so it, all of it has sort of just, um, I think, helped me in my, in my mental strategies to kind of overcome some of the anxiety and self-doubt. And now it's, now I kind of use it as fuel. Yeah, I and love really, that. And really you can apply that. I mean, I think a lot of people feel that fear. You can yeah. call it fear, mm-hmm. right? That holds them back in yeah. any career or pretty much anything. Yeah. It's yes. like not just athletes, I would say business people, entrepreneurs, like a lot of people have that fear that's holding them back. And then I like how you said you just like got up and went through the motions. Like maybe you weren't ready yeah. mentally, but you still did it. Yeah. And every right. day that you did it, you felt a little better about it and yeah. stronger. And, yeah. you know, those little wins kind of. Yeah, I, there was definitely a, a lack of confidence about what, what I was and who I was and stuff like that. And, and I would never, the weird thing is I would never say to anybody, hey, just go ahead and go through the motions. But I think that there is there is uh, some value to, to dip in your toe in the water mm-hmm. and just say like, okay, let me check the temperature here and let me just see if this is what I want to do. And then... You know, there are, I think we've all met people that they'll just jump right in and good for them. You know, that's great for them. You know, I've got friends that just like, I don't think that that self-doubt and that lack of confidence was ever an issue. They're just like, this is what I'm doing and I'm doing it. Right. Um, but for me, uh, it was, all right, let me just test this out and see if this is what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. And then from there, it was like, okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, now I can kind of really commit myself to doing everything that I can to be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you kind of mentioned, like, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, though, but people maybe said something to you, like, oh, you're from a small town, or you can't get to the, you know, play 
big football or the NFL. And so was there something like going back to when you were No, I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, yeah, I think that there is this, I don't want to like totally crap on all small towns, but I, I do feel (laughs) like there's, there is this mentality in small towns, um, because I grew up in two of them and I did hear that in the back of my head, you know, when I Mm -hmm. was, you know, as a child, just kind of being observant and just hearing, you just hear, obviously just hear things, right? And, and I think the one thing that always kind of came to the top was small town people aren't meant to succeed. Um, small town people don't want somebody from the herd to be different. You know, they want everybody to be the same for whatever reason. I don't know why, but that's the feeling I got. And then there was a, there was a time when I was in Vermilion where, um, where I was getting attention because of playing football and, and being active in sports and being, being, uh, better than some of the kids i had one of my own teammates excuse my french here he goes who the fuck do you think you are mm-hmm. and i'm like well and i never really thought about it at that point but when it was so frontal it's like well i'm not i'm not trying to act like i'm better than you guys like i'm trying to be i'm trying to handle this with humility and just like continue to work hard and just keep my head down but there was this like idea that they felt somebody was breaking off from the group mm-hmm. and either it made them look bad or they didn't like the way I was handling it and I didn't think I was handling it in a bad way but it so when I was in my dorm room like all those thoughts were going into my head of like yeah yeah who do I think like do I really deserve this you know do mm-hmm. I, is it really okay for me to be going to do this and being successful and like to a point where like why do I feel ashamed about ha- about finding success but right. I think that there was something subconsciously where I heard this through my life that I was wasn't supposed to be there, you right, know, right. And, yeah. and they were just kind of waiting for me to fall back down and go join them back at the local bar yeah. yes. and talk about our high school days. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I what about definitely. your parents? Did they support you along the way? A hundred percent. I mean, I think that's that's in the end kind of what got me through. Um, I had two older brothers and both of them were athletic, uh, athletically um, talented in their own right. And so I could lean on them with phone calls and just, you know, I, I don't think because we're, you know, we're guys and we didn't talk about it as much, but I didn't really ask them point pointedly like, hey, I'm kind of feeling like this. And right, do, you, right. do you ever feel like this? And like, I think, it was, <laughs> I think it was more just like talking to them. Like I would just bitch to them like, oh, practice was so hard today or whatever. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I remember those type of practices or whatever. So it was kind of sharing those bonding yeah, moments yeah. of like they've been through hard practices before and just kind of like learning to push through. And um, my parents, I mean, my, my mom, and I think that we, we all do this with our own parents, but my mom was like almost... I don't want to say too supportive because um, it's not a negative thing, but my mom thinks that we can do everything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but you can, what, you know, exactly. and what's, and that's the same thing that's I tell my kids. Mindset. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the mindset you want. And that's the mindset kids. you want, but it's like, just so funny because you know, my mom's just always just like, so who's going to be the doctor? Who's going to be the lawyer? Who's going to be this? And like, it's like, you know, and, and, and so, I love that. yeah, and it's great. And so thankfully I had um, a support system and, uh, like that to kind of get me through it, but you know, you, I don't know. You, you never, I, I never looked at my, at my parents as somebody I can emotionally sit down with and say like, say the same thing I was talking about with my brothers. Like, hey, I'm kind of having these thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. how do I navigate this? Right. Yeah. Um, I always just knew that they're gonna be there for a hug and like, you know, for them to tell me that they love me and that's that's about it. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so I really just kind of had to figure it out on my own. 
Well, and clearly you did. Yeah, I guess thankfully. I mean, but I, I, I was, I guess I was always one of those kids, and this is a, a testament to my parents that I always wanted just to get out. You know, get I, out of the small town. Yeah, just I always knew I wanted to go to college someplace else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I always knew that I wanted to go do something else, and I always, I, I was always like trying to be as independent as possible. Like uh-huh. I knew how to do laundry when I was in college, and not a lot of kids know how to do that. Like, right? I'm okay doing that. I'm okay f- fending for myself and being mm-hmm. alone and going to dinner by myself. Like I'm right. fine doing that. So uh, I think I was ready mentally. I think I was ready to get out of the house, but I don't think I was emotionally ready as much as I thought. You know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, because of their support system and knowing that I, they always had my back, I was able to sort of get through the rough times and, and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how it is. It's trial and error. And, you know, one day I'd go to practice and try something or try a different mental approach. And I go, well, that didn't work. <laughs> like, yeah, you should right. try something else. <laughs> yeah. you know, that sucked. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me try something else. But Yeah. No, that's great. It's a great story. I think everyone has to kind of go through those moments to really you know, succeed in whatever it is you want to to do in life. And I think, I mean, so I have a freshman in college right now, a boy, and I think that those are normal feelings for all first-year college students leaving home. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have another layer of being a college athlete and having, you know, expectations on this D1 football team, obviously, but... I think that most college freshmen experience those feelings. Yeah. And I, and you know, now that I kind of went through that, I try to open myself up to my kids. My kids are much younger uh, now, but you know, I want them to know that when it comes to emotional advice that we should be there. Cause maybe it was just an era thing, you know, I think it was cause we a didn't talk about thing. that. Yeah. And I'm very different in how I communicate with my kids now. Yeah. And I think sharing what you've gone through as a parent with your kids just kind of level sets the playing field, right? Yeah. And you're on the same level, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, and I think that can help them. Yeah. So I think you have a great story to tell, you know, whenever you want to share that or if you already have with your kids. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, we try. Which, you know, which you never know if they even care. No. It, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can just shut up bed and make some exactly. popcorn, okay? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but at some point, they will. They will. You would think so. They You'd will. hope so. Yeah. Yes. At least I'm trying. Yes. Yeah, that's all we can do, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so switching gears a little bit, you have kind of an interesting story about how you determine you had a gluten sensitivity. Yeah, can you share this with the audience? Oh uh, yeah, um, you know I, I think it goes really all the way back to when I was a kid. Um, my mom would have bouts of something where her lips would swell up or she'd get a migraine, and we just chalked it up like oh maybe something you ate or stress right. or something, right? And then I started, I remember being young and um, I was getting like hives and I, my lips would swell up too. So some of the same similar symptoms as my mom. And then um, we always just chalked up like, well, it's a genetic thing and that's yeah, right. how you pass off, right? You're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just manage it. And hives just kind of, and swollen lips. Exactly. Yeah. Totally yeah. normal. Runs totally in the normal. family. Yeah. You just, yeah, it runs in the family. Exactly. Like, oh, your mom gets the same thing. We'll just kind of treat it and this is what she does. And so that's kind of how I, I did it. And I thought that was just the norm. And uh, so I just kind of dealt with that all the way through high school. And, and um, there was a period of time, I think, through college and uh, the early parts of my, my playing career in San Diego where I didn't have much of it. And I don't know why. Um, I didn't have to do it. I would get maybe two migraines a whole year. And I always talked because it, it was like more like fall and spring. And I'm like, well, maybe it's the, the temperature or whatever. People would say like it's the, the pressure or whatever. Um, then in 2006, when I signed my contract in Minnesota, 
that that whole year, that whole first fall, I was. Uh, I'll t- actually, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll take a step back. That whole spring when we moved up here, I had hives a lot, um, and I was breaking out what they medically called giant hives. They weren't like the small prickly hives; they were like big welts, and they would like happen all over my body, and then my lips would swell and stuff. And I remember uh, my wife and I were driving from San Diego. We were actually making the move to Minnesota, and. Uh, where there's one night in some crappy motel that we we're staying at and I took my shirt off and my whole body was just full of these like big giant hives. Oh, and she's gosh. like, what is happening? I'm like, I don't know, man. And so I went through that season, just kind of going, navigating that and like they'd come and go and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd taken Allegra or something some sort of antihistamine and they go away. Uh, but there was one time at the end of the season where I'm in meetings and I woke up that morning with like kind of a swollen lip and I can feel it starting to tingle and stuff. And then it moved down to like my jawline and I'm sitting in meetings and it was like going down into like my neck area. And so I go to the trainer. I'm like, dude, I woke up with this. What's going on? He's like, that's really close to your throat. Like, yeah. let's just let's EpiPen you now and uh, and get this calmed down. So they EpiPen me. I chill out for, you know, 15 minutes while the adrenaline kicks in. And then I go to practice. I do the regular day. And that was the point where like, I have to figure this out. Like, I can't live life like this anymore. So I went to a whole bunch of doctors. Like they got me down to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, they they did all these things for me and nobody could answer any questions. You know, they would mm-hmm. say, well. 2006 was pretty yeah. early on. Yeah, and so they did the standard like skin test and they, you know, they're like, well, it's it, it could be this. So we can't really pinpoint it. And the Mayo Clinic basically just, they they flat out told me, keep taking your Allegra and that's all we can do for you. And you'll, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll probably grow out of it. Yeah. And I kind of gave them double middle fi- fingers as I left Rochester. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, screw you guys. Yes. Like, you guys are supposed to be the best in the country and, and uh, you can't tell me what's going on. Cut to a couple months later, uh, a friend of ours is sharing a story about their own daughter and and, uh, and and a dairy sensitivity and whatever. And so they suggested this functional medicine doctor in town. And so I go to him. Um, he's like, let's get you a food screen. You know, what do you know about leaky gut and all this other stuff? Because he went through my whole medical history. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and at this time, I knew nothing about this world. You know, I didn't know anything about like functional medicine or, or whatever. And he kind of tells me, like, you know, 70% of your immune system's in your gut, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so as a player, you know, we are, we're taking anti-inflammatories on a daily basis, you know, either through injection or through uh, prescription. And so I was taking, I was basically, as he, as he goes through it, he's like, you've been on a a prescription anti-inflammatory for the last five years of your life. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, that's kind of what it takes, right? Like. And he goes, you're, he's like, I'm going to guess without even doing any more diagnosis, like your gut is destroyed. Like, mm-hmm. so let's do these tests or whatever. Come to find out that I was allergic to wheat. And he's like, do the two week deal, stay off of wheat, go gluten free, and then test it some morning and just have like two pieces of wheat bread for breakfast. And sure enough, hives came back. I got a swollen lip that day. And he goes, that's it. Stay. He's like, I go, so how long is this going to last? He's like, I don't know. Let's just, just do it for as long. And that was the start of me going on my own self journey of like, so the, the things I put in my body can really affect me as a person, my mental state, my physical state, mm-hmm. like my body's clearly reacting. So I've been gluten-free since 2006, basically. And, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't really missed it. Isn't that funny how you're, you stop missing it though. When yeah. 
what, I mean, I'm sure you can find other foods, and right now there are so many. Well, now there's so many things. You know, so many reactions. ways. Yeah. Um, Back I, then, I mean, it was probably a little harder when you started yeah. in 2006. Well, and I think that when you see immediate results, I think right? that's yeah. the biggest thing, and that's. And that for me, for anybody that's ever gone through anything like that or similar, like, you know, the, the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. is like, is, is so much on your mind. Like every day at practice, I'm wondering like, am I going to get a swollen lip or am I going to get hives today? Or, you know, can I go to this event? Be, and if I, and if I, and if I feel my lips start to tingle, does that mean it's, I'm going to get a swollen lip? And like, you're kind of like thinking of an exit plan or like, whatever. Right, you know? right. and so just having that peace of mind of like. I just avoid this and I won't have to deal with the consequences anymore. I'm like, so that made it so much easier to be like, no, that, that yummy looking steamy sourdough bread that's on the table at the steakhouse. I really want it. I really want it (laughs) with the salty butter. And I just like, I really, really want it. But you know, the results, I know the results. results. And so, um, and, and it was really immediate and, and, uh, and so that's been pretty easy to be like, all right, I know that my body, maybe it's just more sensitive than other people, but I got to treat it differently. Exactly. So I have two questions about that. Yep. What about your mom? Did she also cut out gluten? Yeah, we talked about it and um, no, she didn't. Um, you know, I've offered like my whole family. I'm like, I will buy you guys this blood test. Like I, right. I, mm-hmm. I believe in it so much and I think it's more than anything else. It's just, it is again, it's peace of mind of knowing that, okay, I ha- I'm in control. You know, mm-hmm. I think so much of what the way we live our lives is we just kind of like without even thinking like this is just the way things are and this is just the food we eat and this is just we're just conditioned to do this i'm like well but if you if if some whatever you're dealing with is like food related or in your control why wouldn't you want to take control and so um like my middle our middle brother has he gets migraines and stuff too and i keep telling him like i swear it's stuff that you eat mm-hmm. and my mom same but you know they just they're not ready they're not no. ready for it Okay. Family can be tough. I yeah. mean, just speaking. We yeah. I was just curious if your mom yeah. still got, you know, had the highs. I think and the she still does. Yeah, but, but she really is. I think as most older people do, she just doesn't eat as much. Yeah. And so I think that her whatever inflammation was going on in her gut probably is better now uh-huh. because yeah. she's just not feeding it all the time. Right. And then my second question for you is: Did you do anything else to heal your gut, or did you only yeah. cut out gluten? No, I. He gave me this whole protocol of like uh-huh. supplements and things, and and um, you know, just put me on. I think it was like a, a three month deal. Yep. To just you know give it obviously the the healthy things and the healthy bacteria and build all those things back up and and seal up my leaky gut and all oh, this other yeah. stuff and which which is <laughs> excuse me another weird topic to talk about you right. know because it's got such a terrible name you so know? we, we <laughs> both do the, help people with that so yeah. that's why i was curious if he not yeah. only diagnosed your yeah it was gluten sensitivity but also that helped you heal yeah. Your guys. yeah 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 no i think i think my wife abby got kind of annoyed with it after a while because i was <laughs> i was like no I, I gotta it's like i got this concoction of like different yes. powders and whatever and she's like you really think that's working i'm like yeah. i do yeah. like i think it's working right and it's all about you. Your quality of life improved after. Yeah. So, and you and said you, you still eat popcorn. I do still popcorn. eat popcorn. Popcorn is like my thing. Yeah, that's like I my love jam. popcorn. Also, I know. yes, I know. popcorn's yummy. Yeah, popcorn with coconut Thankfully, oils. Thankfully, there's no gluten. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah. I, I've even had to tell myself, like, okay, I'm eating way too much corn lately. I just got to stop. Yeah. So I've even, like, I need to cut back on that. Yeah, I know. 
that doesn't bug me well either. Not a, <laughs> it, with most people, actually. I know. Corn is yeah. not I know. a good thing yeah. for most people. So pick when you're going to indulge. So what about your workouts? What do, how do you work out? Like, how do you stay fit? Uh, I don't work out nearly as much as I'd hope. <coughs> as I'd hope. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I, I, I box. Um, I have an at-home gym that I do my, most of my weights on. We have a Peloton. You know, I have a Peloton. We just got it. I love it's it. It's so great. Yeah, I'm I know. obsessed with it. Well, the funny thing is my wife had been wanting it for like a year and I didn't, I wasn't paying attention like what it really was. I go, it's a, it's an exercise bike. Like we had, I, I got her a spin bike like 10 years ago. I'm like, we have a spin yeah. bike downstairs you never use. I'm like, what is the difference? And she's like, it's different. And she's like, try to explain. I'm like, all right. So Valentine's Day, I finally got one. I ride that damn thing more than she does. Yeah. Who's your favorite instructor? Uh, Leanne Hainsby. Oh, I haven't tried her. I've Leanne seen Hainsby from, from, she's from the UK. Okay. Well, I would love that accent. I, I'm going to look her up. Yeah, she's great. Have you tried Robin, or, I don't know how to say it, uh, our, our, our Zone? Yeah. yeah she's yeah, my favorite yeah, so far. She, she's she tough, was my She but... was my jam for, I would say, the early parts of it, and then I've switched up with Leanne uh, lately. But I'll go back to Robin's, I think Robin's workouts are harder than... Leanne's. She's hard. That's why she's I like a, it. She's she a butt kicker, me. man. Yeah. I, I, I'll get done with, you know, they ask you the, the metrics yes, at the end. Yeah. They're like, that was a 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how hard was that? I'm like, that one, that one is a 10. That was a 10. Okay. Yep. I need to lay down for a second. Yeah. But I don't push myself that hard. So yeah. I like having somebody. Well, how long that... do you ride? Like, what's your average? So I've been doing like 45 minute yeah. rides. See, if I, I'm a, I'm a 20 to 30 minute, that's all I can do. Okay. I don't, I, I think I'm, I think because of football conditioning, I'm mentally conditioned to like do things fast, uh, anaerobically and be done. Yeah. So if I'm going it's to, more I like that. Me too. Yeah. I just... Like this whole idea. I, I think it's great that people go out and go for runs. Run marathons, but. I'm like, but. You're running for hours. I know. Is that fun? I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. You get this runner's high and you just listen to music or you listen to a podcast. I'm like, yeah, but I could get a workout done in 45 minutes total right. and like have the rest of my day to do whatever I want and yeah. feel, and I think feel just as good, but hey man, to each his own. Exactly. <laughs> it depends yeah. what you enjoy. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. if I'm going to run, I'm going you know, to run stairs or I'm going to run intervals and I'm just, I'm in and out. And you're going to be done. And I'm going to be done. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. I think I have ADD when it comes to workouts. Yeah, I, can't, kinda... I can't do anything for that long either. Like yeah. I, my mind. Yeah. And that's. So to, to kind of finish up that thought, so I, I took up uh, boxing um, years ago, probably six, seven years ago, because I got a bad knee and um, and I just didn't want to do stuff that's pounding. Like I tried a whole bunch of different exercises. Like I would just I tried to go into the to the basketball league with the guys and playing basketball and do that thing, but my my knee just couldn't handle it. And I would just lay and wait, lay awake at night and went with my knee throbbing. So then uh, I found boxing and it was like, well, it's really virtually no impact on your lower body. And you look at any boxer on TV and you're like, well, those guys are like ripped, you know, like they have like no body fat. I'm like, well, there's something to that cardio workout. So I tried it and I love it. It's an, it's like learning a new skill. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it challenges my brain when I work out. And, you know, again, I'm done in an hour and I get like this, this awesome workout where I'm just sweating my face off. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all I, I do. That sounds great. And then you got to run around with your kids. So yeah. there you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so earlier before we started this, we were talking about 
kind of this win from within approach to success that you have. And I know you, it's a concept you talk to a lot of groups about. Can you yeah. explain a little bit of that to the audience? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think the, the one thing that all of us athletes get a lot of times and, and other people that kind of make it to that level is just like, what's the key to success? And it's like this big question. You're like, I don't really know. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, cause you know, cause it's your daily life. It's like what, it, what you do on a daily basis. So like, there's not one thing that I think that you can say like, well, it's just hard work or it's just sacrifice or it's just this. And, um, you know, I found out for me, um, a lot of it, I think the success is psychological and and then talked earlier just about my own self doubt and um, analyzing kind of critically um, on a daily basis, kind of like who you are and where you want to go. And it sounds tedious, but I found that to, for me that's the best approach of of getting better. And I think success is just it comes down to one thing: it's improvement. Like mm-hmm. how how can you improve every day? And and in a football world, you know, I think. It surprises a lot of people how much feedback that we get as football players um, and how much work we put in on that level. You know, we get our, we get our practices filmed every day. And our, our daily routine is at about 4 o'clock, we break down that practice film in a group setting. Mm-hmm. So you're in with your coaches and your peers. And keep in mind, again, I try to, like, compare it and, and, and put it in other people's uh, wheelhouse that – Imagine, imagine your sales floor or your group of peers and at work all to get together at four o'clock in the afternoon, and it's, and it's your, it's your friends, but it's also people that are competing with you, mm-hmm. um, and they all get in a room and they watch your day's work, mm. <laughs> and that's what happens to us as football players is we're gonna watch practice and we are analyzed critically all the goods and bads that happen and it's verbalized to us sometimes in a not so so nice way in a very blunt and honest way um sometimes there's yelling and sometimes there's four letter words and it's like very frontal um so it can be really really hard but being conditioned to do that um i i've i've found that that's the only way i think that you can ask for personal growth and improvement is I know what I did wrong today, so I know how to improve tomorrow. And and I just think that uh, a lot of it is, it, it really comes down to your psychological approach. Can you handle the feedback? Um, can, you, can you not take it in a personal fa- fashion? Can you really take those nuggets and bits and pieces and try to apply it to the next day? And there, there's a level of mental courage that has to come with that. It's understanding where you are today. And then, okay, well, I have to be humble enough to realize that like, I'm, I'm not perfect. I have to move forward. I have to do this. And then you kind of get a game plan for the next day. So it was, it's like this really slow, meticulous process of, of just kind of tearing yourself down on the day, building yourself back up, tearing it down, building it back up, tearing it down, building it back up. And then eventually you know, and hopefully if you're doing things the right way, um, and especially in the football world, if you're healthy and you're not injured, um, you end up getting better. And mm-hmm. so I, there's not a magic formula other than just really um, analyzing on a day-to-day basis. And almost in a weird way, you have to do some self-reflection at the end of each day. And I know that sounds so, I guess, different in this day and age, but I ask people when I do these talks of sit down at the end of the night for five minutes 
and go through your head about and do what we would do as football players at four o'clock every day and break your day down. You know, mm. how did you do today? You know, what were your wins and what were your losses? And then how are you going to change those losses into wins tomorrow? And it, and, it, and it could, it doesn't have to be about your work. It's like, well, I was a jerk to my kids tonight at bedtime. Right. Which happens a lot, right? And you're like, okay, well, that's that's probably a loss on the day. Like, how can I make that better? And then, and then break it down even further. You know, everybody says like, well, we'll answer the why. Well, the why can be found ten steps down the road, but mm-hmm. working backwards. And so, well, why did I yell at my kids? Well, it could have been because um, they weren't doing this. Well, why weren't they doing that? Well, it's because earlier I told them to do this and they weren't doing that. Well. Why did you snap at them earlier? Well, it's because I had a bad day at work. Well, why'd you have a bad day at work? Well, it's because of this happened, this happened. And the next thing you know, it's like you could find the core root of the whole reason. It could have been back at 10 o'clock in the morning, right, you know, right. that carried through your day. So, you know, I I, I just, it, it really helped me to do that as a player uh, from a football standpoint of why did I mess that play up? Uh, whose fault was it? Was it my fault? Did I have control over that that outcome or that consequence? Um, you know, how was my weight workout today? How was my diet today? Um, how was my mental approach that day? So I would just every day just sort of break that down. And then every morning I would actually have a game plan to how to attack that day. And so it was just like this nice little way to uh, to find that sort of motivation on a daily basis of like, okay, today I'm in the weight room, I'm going to do this. Right. And I know I need to work on this. And on the practice field, I know I need to work on my handwork or my, my footwork or my whatever. Um, so it was just a great tool that I've kind of developed and, and I try to implement, you know, even today. I think that is such great advice for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like you're being really intentional with your day. Really intentional. And I think being and I think being really honest with your day, yeah. you know, it's I think hard. that's it's really hard. Yeah. And, I, and again, because of the of the football training where everything, nothing is sugar-coated. Like you you mess up a play, you you messed up the play and there's no hiding from it. So I've gotten better about not hiding from the truth. You develop thicker skin, I'm sure. You develop yeah. thicker skin. And, and I think part of that is like realizing that, hey, everybody, everybody screws up. Like, right, right. Who cares? Like, you know. Move on. Move right? on. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if you're going to compare yourself to somebody else every day, you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. So exactly. um, do what you can do um, and, and, and be okay with that. And I think being honest with yourself, you know, we, even as players, cause I went through it, you know, I would go through it a lot where like, well, it's not my fault or maybe, maybe I'd find ways to, to sort of lighten the blow. And at the end of the day, it's like, I'm fooling myself. Like I'm just, kind of being fraudulent to myself. Like I, I, I messed up. I screwed up. I got to get better. And, and how am I going to get better? And so even in, in uh, as I do the broadcasting work or whatever, or, um, I just try to be really in a weird, I try to be hard on myself. And I think that, can, I, I think that can be good. <laughs> it depends on the I person think, actually. I think. Uh, and I know, I think that's yeah. individual um, yeah. to be hard on yourself every day. But I, I do think as as a lot of players, a lot of the great players I've been around, um, they are hard on themselves. You know, they are their own worst critic. And I think there's some value to that. But it doesn't sound like you're only critiquing yourself. It sounds like when you're evaluating your day, you're you're looking at the good and the bad. You have to. Yeah. I mean, so, I think that, yeah, I, I think you have to do that with um, with everything. Like if you're a coach... 
Um, if you're always doing, if you're always telling your kids what they did wrong or your players what they did mm-hmm. wrong, whether they're going to have a negative uh, outlook on their on themselves. And the great coaches, and that's the other thing I, I just have tried to pick up little bits and pieces of what I like that my coaches, and I've been around a bunch of different styles of coaches, mm-hmm. and I think the best ones are the ones that are brutally honest, but are also the ones that they can be as passionate in a negative way, but as passionate in a positive way. Um, they will put their arm around you and they will have honest conversations with you. And they will say like, man, that's a hell of a play. Like, that's a great, like those little wins like that can, can supersede, you know, 10 negatives and make you feel really good about yourself. So that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, it's not about always about what you can, what you did wrong and how you can fix it. But Hey, what did you do right today? Mm -hmm. And when you analyze those things, like, okay, how, why did I do that right today? Like, what put me in a good mindset to do that right today? How can I, boy, how can I do that tomorrow? Like, right. wh- how can I repeat that good feeling that, that, uh, and, and so, yeah, you, you got to cherish your wins and, uh, accept your losses. Such great advice. And where can people find you during the, I guess, during season and off season? Uh, you know, usually at my house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think out, out, outwardly uh, on Twitter, I'm at Nacho Lieber. Um, Nacho? Nacho. So Nacho was a nickname. Yeah, I was like, where did that come yeah. from? So Nacho is a nickname that uh, a teammate of mine, Jared Allen, gave me um, because of the movie Nacho Libre, um, which I, I've only seen the movie once. Um, so it's not like I'm a huge fan, but it just, I think it just sounded good. Uh-huh. Um, so he'd always call me Nacho and then it kind of caught on and everybody... And around the Vikings uh, facility would just call me Nacho. I mean, that was just like my So nickname. you're known yeah. as Nacho. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like if they, if I'm, someone yells down the hallway, hey, Nacho, they're, t- they're talking, talking to me. Talking to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and on the side, I do love nachos. Like, <laughs> I mean, the gluten-free nachos. Yeah, the yeah. gluten-free yeah. nachos. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. So it all, all kind of works out. Um, and then on uh, Instagram and Facebook, I'm just at Ben Lieber Official, which sounds really pretentious, but somebody took my other one. Somebody just took Ben Lieber. Mm. Okay. Um, I mean, not that they're, I'm not the only Ben Lieber. So when I jumped on Instagram the first time, there was some like, kid with the same name yeah yeah uh, and i'm like damn you kid yeah i don't even know where he's from and i'm like oh like <laughs> so uh i did the official thing and it's kind of what stuck it works okay. nice oh and benlever.com yes okay. the website okay yeah great well we'll link all that up and put it in the show notes too yeah, for everyone sure so our last question that we like to ask all of our guests on the podcast is what does the art of living well mean to you uh, the art of living well for me is, um, I think have, for me, it's having fun discovering and rediscovering yourself. And a lot of, uh, I've always sort of, from a health standpoint, I've always sort of been involved, like interested in that. Um, you know, health class is one of my favorite classes in high school, um, and then because of my gluten issues, it just sort of made me even more interested in how our bodies work and in, in conjunction with the world around us. So I think that the art of living well is, uh, is having fun with curiosity. You know, I've, I've always been curious about that stuff. And so 
I listen to health podcasts. You know, I read health books. Um, and and I, it's one of the nerdy things that I like to do. I don't think it's nerdy. No, I know. You know, but, <laughs> but, but some people do. Yeah, some right. some people some people do. And you know, again, like I I've always loved astronomy. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid was my dad had a telescope and we'd go out on you know starry nights and just look at the moon and stuff. So. Yeah. I watch science channels and things. I, I just think that the art of living well is just be happy being curious and, mm, and yeah. you know, scratching the itch or whatever it is. Whatever, it might be nerdy and it might be weird, but if you find joy in it and it interests you, then do it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think having fun is so important. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For good health for everyone. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, for you're welcome. with us today. Yeah, we love sharing all of this. Thanks, guys. Excited for our listeners to hear more about your journey. So Stephanie, people keep asking me, and I think you get the same question, like what's a great protein powder to use? And there's so many protein powders on the market and they're overwhelming, right? Trying to like figure out what's good, what's not good. Um, we both love the DNS powder, which is a daily nutritional support. From Equilibrium Nutrition. And Marnie, you're the one that turned me on to it probably a year ago now, and or I, I've been converted from a lot of the other protein powders that I was using that you would pick up at the store. Nothing against any of those other products, but what we love about this is it's a complete multivitamin. So you can't even really say it's a protein powder, but there is a clean plant-based source of protein that's all non-GMO, third-party verified for heavy metals. Um, and and for those of you that don't know what third party verified means, yeah. that means like a third party is coming in, looking at the ingredients that are listed and actually verifying that what's in this container is really in the container. Right. And that's super important because a lot of protein powders on the market are not verified and they're putting in like fillers and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Um, so I love this because you don't need a multivitamin. And honestly, in addition to having an excess of probably your daily um, recommended allowance for the vitamins and minerals, there's um, there's ingredients in here that help just support gut health, right? And it's 15 grams of a vegan protein. Um, it's it's pretty low sugar, and it tastes really good. Tastes like it really good. Comes in chocolate and vanilla. And kids can use it too. You would just reduce their dosage. Yep, my. Two daughters have a scoop every day in their smoothie. Right. Um, it's nut-free, dairy-free, soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO. Non <laughs> um, it's Honestly, it's the cleanest and most complete nutritional support and protein powder that Marnie and I have found. And we've both done a lot of um, research on our own and have gone through many different protein powders that we've used over the years. So if you're interested in purchasing the protein powder, you can head over to our website, theartoflivingwell.us backslash products and check it out. Yeah, and message us if you have any questions. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well. 